Hello, everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. We cannot believe the season is over. We're so sad, but we have lots of great content coming for you in the off season. We're going to have a really fun season recap next week. And then we're also going to release some interviews that we did with female F1 engineers. So those are going to be really amazing too. And of course, let us know what you want to see in the off season. We can work through our F1 withdrawal together. For all of you who need some holiday gifts, we're doing a little Black Friday merch sale. So you can get 15% off at our merch store using code FTG15. And with that, I think we'll just jump into our Abu Dhabi recap. I'm Chessa. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Sarah. For main takeaways, I think this race was pretty representative of the season overall. Max just dominated the entire field and outperformed Checo. Mercedes wasn't able to compete at the front. McLaren was pretty disappointed and more. For a while in the middle of the race, the order was two Red Bulls and two Ferraris and two Mercedes with both of the uh, drivers who ended up being ahead in the championship for those teams in front. So that was just classic. (laughs) The slightly surprising part, though, was Ferrari really got it done on strategy. They did amazing. And I also think Charles really drove out, drove Checo this year and deserved that really well, well thought P2 spot. It was so sad to see Vettel and Danny Rick leave. Clearly the whole grid was emotional about Seb leaving. It was great to see him get the tributes he deserved. Yeah, echo all of that. It's very hard to believe the season is over. We will do a whole season recap, as Chessa said, so I will not brain dump all my season thoughts just yet. But for this race, it was a really fun tire strategy race, and I'm super glad we had some excitement until the very end with Checo chasing Charles for P2 in Constructors. And like Sarah said, I agree. I'm super happy for Charles and Ferrari. I think it's a silver lining for them after a very frustrating season. And It really feels like Charles deserves that after his amazing performances this year, especially during quali. Like he really drove as a top-notch driver and like, yes, made some mistakes, but overall the quality was amazing. And I hope this helps them mentally heading into next year. Super happy Danny and Vettel could both score points side by side on their way out, which we hope is just for now. And then it was a little hilarious and ironic to see Mick and Latifi doing a little coordinated spin also during the race, which is kind of like their version of a last dance. Um, (laughs) But also amazing to see all the love for Seb from the big driver dinner to the track run with the Donka Seb shirts to his end of race donuts and interview. Pretty wild. We are saying bye to four drivers for now, but they will be missed and hopefully will return. Yeah, saying bye to four drivers is wild. Next year is going to feel like we're going to a new school or something, all new kids. <laughs> For me, my thoughts, I mean, the 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 season and the championship got decided a while ago. So while I think I was always hoping for a really exciting final race, kind of like last year, I think you guys are right. A lot of nice things happened during the race. It was kind of like the arc for the season pretty much expected, you know, Max dominating and then everyone else falling in line right behind him. So overall, though, it was a good race. And I I am happy for Ferrari and for Charles, even though, of course, it would have been nice to see Checo cinch that. So let's talk about MVPs. Tiggy, who do you have? For this race, I'm going to say Leclerc. I think you could see at the end how much the drive took out of him. He said he gave 110% the entire way, and I totally believe that. So well-deserved P2 for him after 
like we said, an impressive but plagued season. So definitely a Leclerc for me. Yeah, I'm going to retweet that. I just think he really needed it, and it was nice to see him pull it out of the bag basically at the last minute, last race of the season. Um, I think Ferrari will be more satisfied and maybe not have such a bad note going into the offseason. Also, I'm going to throw in a little MVP stroll finish P8, which I feel like is pretty high. So way to go stroll and Aston Martin. Oh, my gosh. No, no stroll. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted Vettel to finish ahead of him. It was really – it was a sad moment when Stroll passed him. I know. Dude, what are you doing? (laughs) What you got to do? I mean, he was going faster, so not much you can say. (laughs) For me, I think – I'll say Ferrari overall instead of just Charles because they – Charles said their strategy execution was perfect, which – really could not be said very much this year. So I'm glad Bonotto was able to make his case at the end of the season that the team has improved and knows what's going on. We'll get into this, but they had an amazing dummy call to convince Checo to pit and force him onto a two-stop strategy. So I was very impressed. Also, shout out to Albon. He started P19 and finished P13. And I think we don't give enough credit where he has these low-key drives just grinding at the back and making up a lot of positions a lot and so he's underappreciated but good job to Albon. <laughs> yeah he's gonna be the senior guy on campus next year with <laughs> Logan who's super young that to me yeah. is wild that Albon would be considered the senior guy on I know campus. <laughs> it's gonna be a fun team yeah how about LVPs um okay I'm gonna do a little spin on LVPs I think overall the race was Actually pretty decent, but uh, Latifi did not disappoint. He DNF'd, and I feel like that was really in character. So an LVP slash a fun MVP for him on my end. (laughs) I don't really have an LVP for this race. I think it was decent and bittersweet vibes all around. So I'll just go with the season ending as mine, I think, through the drivers. Though the drivers and the team certainly deserve a bit of a break. So I'm glad for them. But it doesn't feel right to pick an LVP on this like last race when people are being seen out the door. And I don't know. It's like good vibes. Mine is Haas. I'm so sad. Hulkenberg over Mick just does not make sense to me. Hulkenberg is... 35, I feel like he really had his chance in F1. He's a solid driver, but not a breakout by any means. He holds the very sad record of most F1 starts without ever getting a podium at 179 starts. Wow. Yeah. So he he had his chance. He has not had a full-time drive since 2019. He drove twice this year for Aston Martin when Seb had COVID, and he got P12 and P17. So it's not like he pulled off some magic and showed that he really deserved a return to the grid and – they already have kind of an experienced older hand in K-Mag who's a solid driver but isn't going to be kind of performing any miracles. And so I don't know why they need two of those. I don't know. I'm sad. I was big. They'd make <laughs> another chance. Yeah, it does seem like a questionable move picking him. Like I do have to say I understand why Mick is not getting – is not keeping his seat next year just given all of the crashes and the, you know – lackluster performance I guess to put it one way but yeah Hulkenberg seems like a very strange chance like wouldn't you want maybe a younger driver who is showing potentially more promise and you can build up but it almost makes me think that like this Hulkenberg deal has been in the mix and people have been talking about it like at the team for way longer than they're letting on 
Um, and I'm also curious how Hulkenberg and Kate Mag are going to get along. It'll be interesting Hulkenberg just said, though, that he reached out to Haas over the summer when he decided he wanted to come back. Yeah. I don't know. It's just sad. I feel Lucky. like it's got to come down to like a budget thing, you know, where they're looking at the calculations and being like, we can't take a risk on having to repair a lot of car wrecks and maybe like two experienced drivers is what we need for this year. But they did just get a title sponsor. So us. <laughs> we will see. All right. How about our hot takes? Mine was so bad. I, I was I had Mercedes just like coming in out of nowhere and being both on podium. So did not get that. Yeah, I did not get my Hamilton win, which I pull, put all my force behind when I, quite, I got quite the opposite with his DNF. But I also said Vettel top five, which I would have loved to see, but I am satisfied with him being in the points for his final race and getting driver of the day. So hats off to him. My one uh, check, I guess, is I did say Charles would take P2 in the championship. So I'm happy about that paying off and I'm glad I manifested that. Mine was just wrong across the board. Crash and burn. I said Checo would win. And then I said that the Ferrari drivers would have some teammate infighting, like maybe a team order scenario. So zero points for me. The takes were too hot. (laughs) (laughs) So getting into some news, like we said, Haas and Mick officially announced he would not be staying in his seat for the next season, replacing him with Hulkenberg. Mick's statement was really sad. He said he didn't want to hide the fact that he's disappointed. And he also said he's going to fight hard to return and is sure he deserves a place in F1. And as we mentioned, Hulkenberg returns to the sport. It feels like he has been in and out of the starting grid so many times, which maybe gives some Danny fans potential hope for for his future, but we'll see. Hulkenberg is a German driver who started with Williams in 2010. He was there for a year. He has also raced for Force India, Sauber, Renault, where he had a spicy season against his teammate, Danny Rick. He finished P14 in the Drivers' Championship in 2019 and did not get a seat for 2020. And since 2020, he has been a reserve driver for Racing Point, which turned into Aston Martin. He filled in for Checo at one point in 2020 and filled in for Vettel twice this season when he had COVID, as we mentioned. He posted a hilarious series of memes about him filling in for everyone with the caption, uh, hasta la vista, super sub life. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> Back the, in the, the memes, time. <laughs> The memes are hilarious if you guys have not seen them. Like he's filling in for like a McDonald's worker. He's filling in for like someone's girlfriend who just broke up with him. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I'm excited to see how he does. Like, I think it is always cool when a driver comes back, but I obviously am sad for Mick. It'll be a lot of mixed emotions next year. I'm interested to see what the vibe is going to be with him and K-Mag, because as I'm sure a lot of you have seen, there is a very funny moment that the language used is too inappropriate to repeat oh. of <laughs> Hulkenberg and K-Mag getting into a big fight. So see what those vibes are like. <laughs> I wonder if Gunther can put keep them in their places. This will be very interesting. <laughs> For other news, Logan Sargent finished P3 in his final F2 race, which means he officially secured the number of super license points he needed to join the ranks in F1 and join the Williams team. They announced yesterday that Logan will officially be joining the season, being promoted from Williams Academy driver, and now he is officially on the lineup. He is from Florida, but he moved to Europe when he was only nine years old to race in karting. 
He became the first American to win a karting world championship since the 1970s. He's only 21 now, so Albon, like we said earlier, will be the senior and more experienced driver on the team. And an American last drove an F1 in 2015, but an American has not driven the full season since 2006. So this is really big for the sport and for Americans to have an F1 driver. And I think given the breakout year that F1 in that that the U.S. in F1 is going to have next year with Vegas and the continued hype of Miami, I think Logan is pretty much primed to be joining at the exact right time. Do you guys think this will help, though, like get people more involved in in, in F1 in the U.S.? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know how I feel about him yet as a driver. I know we got we get a lot of DMs like from people on yeah. both sides of the extreme. So it's going to be interesting to see where fans fall on him. I'd like to give him like the benefit of a doubt of the doubt as a driver and see what he can bring to the sport. But I don't know. I'm not sure this is going to like rally the entire country to be even more fanatic about F1. But maybe I feel like if he were joining a team that was a little bit higher yeah. up in the rank. Yes, that could exactly what I was going to say. Like if he was going to win races, <laughs> then it would be exciting. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I mean, I have all the best hopes for Williams next year, but if it is kind of a repeat of this season, I don't think people are going to be so excited to, you know, be seeing a, an American driver who's not scoring points. Totally. I think one day F1 is breaking into mainstream American sports culture, depending on who you talk to has already broken in but I think what would really make a difference is if there was an American who showed up driving for a Ferrari and then it, oh, they would become could you imagine national sports <laughs> figure basically immediately I feel like so, that will never happen <laughs> yeah I don't really imagine the Ferrari team wanting an American <laughs> well Andretti has a few things to say about the European <laughs> yeah. sports club so <laughs> we'll oh, see boy. very true and as we all know, Vettel sadly retired. We all knew it was coming, but it was hard to believe that it was actually here. His dad showed up for FP1 to give Vettel his very first racing suit and mm. helmet. Oh my gosh. It was so emotional all weekend. And Seb loves running the track and organized a track run for people in the paddock. And lots of people from all teams and different roles throughout the paddock joined him to go on a final run together. And if people didn't catch his post-race live stream, it was really amazing to watch. He was wearing his Earth shirt, told the story of how he came to really deeply care about our world and our environment. He talked about how important it is to use his platform for good. He tried to pass that on to younger drivers. And a fun fact from this live stream was that Vettel said that he once he became more aware of climate issues, he stopped taking private jets and flies commercial to all of events. We love that. Yeah, a man of the people. Drivers were overall praising what a nice and caring person Vettel is and how much he's meant to them personally and just being really nice to them as individuals off track. But we also have to remember that he is a four-time world champion and showed it. So there's a funny quote where Danny, his former Red Bull teammate, said that how Vettel ultimately wanted to destroy the competition. And I feel like you could just see the raw competitor <laughs> in him and that he drove not to win, but to destroy. Love it. <laughs> the two strides of battle. I love it. Just what a quote. What an absolute champion. I think everyone was so sad to see him go. Totally. 
So on the Danny Rick note, Danny, it's not officially been announced, but it seems all but certain that Danny is going to be Red Bull's reserve driver next year. And Helmut Marco said so to the media. Maybe they're still just working out the contract details. Christian Horner had a funny yeah. interview saying that, well, he's ours if uh, he si- he decides to sign it, but I guess he can always decide not to. Um <laughs> Danny said that he wanted a year away from racing, and so this is seeming like the best option, I guess, to stay involved while getting to step back a bit, but I don't know. It feels he was already at Red Bull. He left. It feels kind of like a fall from grace, like returning to a team that you left very quickly. I don't know. I, I'm happy that he's staying in the sport in in this capacity, but... I don't know. I feel like that's got to have been a hard decision to decide to go back to the team that you left. Yeah, I don't know if it feels like a regression or maybe it's kind of just him taking a beat and then reevaluating and trying to get back. Maybe he's just trying to reconnect with his like former champion self. Maybe he feels like he needs to get back to where it all started and it's like this whole emotional journey for him. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I'm actually obviously biased as a Red Bull fan, but I'm very here for this. I do think – yeah, because everyone always says all the time, oh, was his prime error leaving Red Bull in the first place? And Tessa, I think you could be right. Maybe just getting back with some of these people and Christian and some of the team who he was a race winner, a multiple-time race winner with, maybe that could be good for him. And also, it's going to be really good for Red Bull, I think. Just obviously, have had some very bad PR moments lately. <laughs> and Danny is so beloved and just such a good energy that I think such a good point yeah I think he'll bring some much needed kind of charisma and fun to the team yeah Um, Christian did not hide the fact that that was a big draw for them in the interview he was like we do a lot of like events and like show runs and stuff and Danny's gonna be a great personality to have yeah like imagine Danny in the Red Bull doing all the show runs before the Las Vegas race and doing that drive they do in Miami like that'll be so fun he has he has DTS top of mind Christian Horner does (laughs) um in other news there were some rumors that Binotto is losing his job at Ferrari to be replaced by the Alfa Romeo principal Ferrari has tweeted that those rumors have no foundation. They didn't straight up deny it, but they are saying it's not necessarily true. Binotto basically said he wasn't worried, but it is interesting that this was reported because it was reported by pretty reputable um, Italian news outlet, and there were some people that are pretty close to Ferrari who who heard this was the who heard this was true. So we'll have to see if they continue to comment or if you know it will be safe and sound for next year but we wanted to definitely call that one out hot take but maybe this is hot maybe I don't know it's not that hot but i think it would be a mistake if they replaced him really what makes you say that i think i've been we've been so hard on for a lot of people have but i've been thinking more recently that i think they are really held to a really high standard compared to other teams and italian media is really harsh on them and I think it was always kind of part of their plan that they wanted to be able to fight for a championship in the next few years. But I think it was a lot to ask to have them go from having several really bad seasons in the past few years to be able to just show up and win a championship. And yes, they made a lot of mistakes. They had, they didn't fully capitalize on the potential of their car, but at the same time, Red Bull fought for a championship all of last year. They were ready to come out of the gates doing that. Mercedes has fought for championships for the past 10 years. So I think 
just giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I think this was a good learning lesson year. And then hopefully next year they can come blazing out of the gates. If next year they're not performing, then he's got to go. But (laughs) I would say maybe give him one more year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. In other news, so F1 is officially starting the women's series for next year. There will be seven events and three races next year of young women driving in Formula 4 cars. Domenicali said the idea is that the series will target young drivers who can then progress into F3. The debate around it is really centered around whether continued segregation will really help women progress to these levels in the sport and also the fact that F1 probably could have augmented the W series or poured more into that rather than create a potentially competing and redundant series. You all had really interesting and differing opinions on this, so thank you for sharing those. And Definitely a nuanced topic, but I think we're all hoping for the best here that this will help progress women to higher levels of the sport rather than keep them kind of where they have been so far. So another fun news item, which was also very sad, but had to do with Seb leaving. There was the full grid dinner and they took some amazing pictures and had a photo op after. There are rumors that Lewis organized it and picked up the tab of the much photographed dinner that was a celebration of Vettel's career as well as kind of like an end of season celebration. There are rumors flying around about the cost of the bill being as high as 140k. That is unconfirmed. Some people are also doing some deep sleuthing to figure out exactly what restaurant they were at and looking at all of the different orders and what people order to try to see how much it all costs. There is no way you can hit 140k <laughs> at a group dinner. Especially they weren't drinking any alcohol, so that makes it ske- uh, sketchy, but Yeah, I doubt it's as high as that, but it probably was very expensive. (laughs) I guess if you're not drinking, it won't. But I did see – I mean, maybe this is a a different bill that someone was posting, but someone was posting pictures of the bill, and there was, like, some virgin mojitos thrown in there, but then some people were drinking. So maybe maybe who knows? I think some people were drinking, yeah. But even (laughs) if you were just – everyone could have a personal bottle of Classe Azul, and you could not be able to hit (laughs) – Well, it was a super rare occurrence to have everyone there together. The last time there was an all-driver dinner like this happened in 2016. I don't know. If I was a driver, I'd be having group dinners all the time. It sounds so fun. But Lewis later said that it was, quote, the best evening and the most harmony among any driver group in his career, maybe ever, which is also so funny to see, like, the photo afterwards, seeing who's standing next to who and who's not standing next to who. Um, but Alonso did say that the drivers are much friendlier with each other now compared to earlier in his career. So and that's coming from Alonso. Uh, that's saying a lot. <laughs> who probably that's has the spiciest teammate relationship on the grid right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. There were some fun postseason selling moments as well. The drivers and teams were clearly exhausted after this and were not only celebrating their results if they were good, but also just celebrating the season being done. Vettel stopped by the Red Bull party to hang with Christian and Max and was later spotted in the club, which must have been a sight to (laughs) behold. Max's girlfriend and Lando also had a club outing. Chaka went skydiving and he was wearing an outfit that looked like he was just going to brunch and then like took a detour and went <laughs> skydiving. <laughs> like he was just wearing Nikes and khaki shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> I feel like when Lewis goes skydiving, he's in a full He's kitted out. Angela yeah. went skydiving too, which was awesome. <laughs> and Carlos, of course, went golfing. Yes. 
So last piece of news before we get into it, the Pirelli tire test. So there's a Pirelli tire test today, which is going to be several drivers' first outings with their new teams. They're testing a potential new hard compound. So Gasly, Alonso, DeVries, Piastri, Logan, and Hulkenberg will have their debuts in their new cars. Mercedes delivered DeVries to AlphaTauri on a tire rolling rack thing, which was hilarious after the race. So that was a really funny video. If you guys haven't seen it, they have basically like zip-tied him to a, a little rolly thing <laughs> and delivered him to the AlphaTauri garage. That's adorable. We all need a little extra health boost sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. All right, let's jump into the race. So, practice Mercedes topped FP1, Verstappen, Leclerc, and Mercedes were looking very strong in FP2. And then we had Red Bull 1 2 and Merck 3 4 in FP3. Ferrari was not looking as strong as they would have liked during practice this weekend. Eight out of the 10 teams had rookie drivers for FP1 to satisfy that two per year requirement. That's insane. That was a lot. And there was definitely funny radios of people like getting all confused and not remembering all the names of all the new people at FP1. So we had Liam Lawson and Max's car. He got P5 in FP1, so that's pretty impressive. Robert Schwartzman took Carlos. Pedro Award had his debut F1 outing in Lando's car. We had F2 champ Felipe Durgovic. He went out in an Aston Martin. Of course, we had Logan Sargent and Williams, Jack Duhin and Alpine. Onwards, onwards, onwards. So many other drivers. For FP3, Lando had a brake fire, and then Vettel reported a similar problem soon after. Then there was a red flag due to debris from Gasly's car. Hamilton was investigated for passing K-Mag during the red flag period. That was dismissed, but there was definitely a lot of drama happening in FP3, so that was kind of cool to see. For Quali, for Q1, Max dominated in Q1, no surprises there. Vettel looked at risk of being eliminated, which was really stressful, but he had an amazing final flying lap and it charged ahead of both Mercs and got P6. Mick got P11, which was great to see him making it 
out of Q1, Botas, unfortunately, was swearing about his tires not working and was just having a tough day. For elimination, we had K-Mag, very sad about his Brazil bowl to have the exact opposite outcome. Then Gasly, Botas, Albon, and Latifi. For Q2, Checo topped Q2, followed by both Ferraris. Their pace definitely looked a bit better. Vettel was complaining about traffic, but managed to snag P8 and made it into Q3 for his final quality. And also, we were so happy that Danny managed to sneak through as well for his last race with McLaren. So eliminated, we had Alonzo, Yuki, Mick, Stroll, and Joe. And then for Q3, there was a front row lockout for Red Bull with Max leading. Max gave Checo a nice toe to get him into P2. Wildly, this was their first front row lockout of the season and their first since 2018, which I had to do a double take. I was like, how's that possible? What? It was their first. Yeah, Christian put it in his Instagram caption. It was their first front row lockout of the season, which is I a guess- really bad stat for Checo. <laughs> That's not a great stat for Checo, but also like Charles has dominated quality. Yeah. So. Yeah. Charles has just been amazing. The top six spots were for the top three teams with Lando as the best of the rest. So for results, we had Max, Checo, Leclerc, Sainz, Hamilton, Russell, Lando, Ocon, Vettel, and Danny Rick. But Danny had a three-place grid penalty from hitting K-Mag in Brazil, so he started 13th. For the race, it was windy and looking like a one- or two-stop strategy. Almost everyone started on mediums, including all of the top 10, with a few cars towards the back on either softs or hards. This track serves some Monaco energy with all the yachts on the harbor. It's a very cool (laughs) modern track, so not like Monaco in that regard, but still got yachts. (laughs) For the first lap, the Red Bulls were side-by-side into turn one, but Max pulled out ahead on the exit and started pulling away, but it was spicy for a second there. Leclerc came close to challenging Checo in the first few corners, but was not able to pull a move. And then in the biggest drama of the first lap, Lewis and Sainz had a moment fighting for P4 at turn six. So Sainz went on the inside of Lewis and had an amazing late-breaking moment and had the corner. Lewis went off track and flew over the curves, cut the corner. And when you cut a corner and gain an advantage, which in that case was keeping your place in front, if you're the driver in front, you have to give that position back, which the stewards told Lewis to do a few laps later, and Lewis did that right away. Science later said it was a, quote, cheeky move from Lewis, <laughs> which is funny. But Lewis was worried about floor damage from that kind of trip he over the flying. curb. Yeah, it was wild. Um, Max pulled almost a two-second gap on Checo in only five laps, which is pretty indicative of yeah. the season. But in terms of quality of racing at this track, I think several of the other cars at the front were able to stay quite close together at the start of the race. And there was some really good wheel-to-wheel action. So that was good to see. Yeah. On lap five, Carlos and we had Carlos and Lewis again, wheel-to-wheel. Lewis made a nice move and passed Carlos pretty easily. On lap six, George got DRS on signs for P5. It was hard to pass signs because signs also had DRS from Lewis in the front. This was a good... This, there was good DRS moments at this race. There was a funny radio of George telling Lewis to pick up the pace. The announcers were like, um, he's probably flat out since he has a Ferrari with DRS right behind him already. <laughs> and on lap eight, Sainz had a great easy pass of Lewis going into turn nine, and it became clear that Lewis was struggling a bit from that initial contact. But after Sainz passed Lewis, it was Hamilton P5, Russell P6, and he goes, "What's?" Uh, Russell went, 
what's going on. The team told him he was free to race Hamilton. So George ended up having a pretty over easy overtake of him. Um, and Hamilton said he was losing power. It was nice to see there's such a, a polite team, but a lot of commentators were saying any other driver would just have gunned it and went for it and yeah. don't to ask permission on the radio. <laughs> the my respect. Dad, my dad literally texted us and he was like, he's such a gentleman. Don't you guys think that he asked permission? <laughs> no, but your dad was like, I, he's a gentleman, but I think he's too polite. <laughs> Hilarious. You can't be too polite. To wrap up the the beginning of the race, Alonso and Vettel had a nice wheel to wheel fight, which was fun to watch for Vettel's last race. Some good racing quality between the two world champions. Meanwhile, Mick had a f- tough first ten laps. He started P twelve, dropped to P sixteen, and then right around lap sixteen was when people's pit stops started, and most of the cars switched over to hards. For the teams, for Ferrari, as we said, a well-executed strategy for once and good calls on tires. Ferrari later said they used a fake radio message, which ended up making a huge difference for them. Charles had been committed to a one-stop strategy, but they told Charles to box opposite Red Bull on the radio to make Red Bull think they were going for an undercut. And Red Bull responded by immediately pitting Checo, which forced him onto a two-stop while Charles ended up sticking with that one-stop. Science finished P4. He had some great wheel to wheel racing during the race. Overall, very happy for them ending the season on a high. Charles said Ferrari's execution was perfect, which I feel like he has not felt that many times this season. So I think this will probably help Bonotto's case ending on ending on a high here. Is it okay for them to fake a radio message? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a legitimate yeah. strategy. That feels so deceit like deceitful to me. No, that's the name of the game. Yeah, I got to do what you got to do. I don't love that. Okay, anyways. (laughs) For Red Bull, yet another dominant drive from Max where he sort of just cruised off into the distance. He won 15 races this season, which is nearly 70% of all races. So that is quite a stat. And the race showed part of how Max has evolved into a more complete driver. His tire management was really good when that hasn't always been his strength. There were a lot of drivers, not a lot, but like Vettel, for example, Lewis, they were both complaining about the one-stop strategy, but like Max made it look very easy (laughs) and still won the race. And then meanwhile, Checo sadly could not get it done for P2 in Drivers' Championship. His pace was really just not there, and he was wearing out the tires pretty badly, said that his front tires were gone. So Christian later said that they didn't really have a choice but to put him on a two-stop strategy. At one point in the middle of the race, Checo said that Max was holding him up in front, but Max was still over two seconds ahead of him at that point. And then with about 10 laps left, Checo was in P4 behind Lewis, um, had a wheel-to-wheel fight with Hamilton, and it was hard to make a move on Lewis' stick, even though Lewis was in a damaged and much slower car. But by the time Checo got past Lewis, Leclerc was ahead by eight seconds. And then sadly, to add on to the problems, Checo had to lap Gasly, Albon, and Joe, and Gasly sort of got in the way there, which was pretty frustrating. We've talked about this. It's so infuriating when backmarkers get in the way in pivotal moments like this. It's it's just the worst. Yeah, just get out of the way. Like you're, <laughs> if you're getting lapped, it's it's. Are you really fighting for that much? I don't know. It's frustrating. But Charles was on older tires. Checo got within a few seconds, but he just did not have enough time and finished a little over a second behind. So as we all know, Checo lost P2 in the championship by three points. 
And even if last race Max had let Checo through, that wouldn't necessarily have changed this outcome since that would have only gained Checo two points. But I don't know. I still feel like Max could have done a little more there. But what do you guys think? Should Red Bull have engineered a way to help Checo more for this race? I think the last race was the real kicker. And even though it was only two points, I think that would have been more important. And I think they did as much as they could without flat out being like Max slow down and let Checo pass you so that he can win sort of thing. Yeah, I think I agree that last race was kind of the clear opportunity to do something because this race Max did give him a toe in quality, which was good. But during the actual race, some people were saying maybe they should have swapped partway through the race to let Checo push more. But at that point, Checo was still two seconds behind. It's not like he was right up on Max's rear wing being held up. So I don't know. And I think at the end, also some people were saying, oh, he should have slowed down, held Charles up to kind of get into a fight with Charles, let Checo through. But at that point, Max was so far ahead. It's just too, that's just too much to ask when someone's winning to be like, can you slow down by six seconds? (laughs) So I think, I think sadly this one was kind of on, on Checo, but I do agree that last race was really, even if it was just symbolic, that was the moment when they should have gotten that swap done to help them out. Yeah. And I think mentally going into this race with Checo being ahead rather than being, them being tied probably would have maybe would have made some sort of a difference, yes. but I do agree that there wasn't much more Red Bull or Max could have done for the final race. Like it also would have just been a bad look to have, you know, your champion driver back up six seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That would never. Yeah. And Checo probably wouldn't have necessarily liked that either. It's not like you're getting that. Charles would have freaked out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which fair. Fair. Yeah. (laughs) Would have loved to hear that radio. For Mercedes, George got a five-second penalty for unsafe release, but he was still able to finish P4. Lewis was running in P4 despite those car problems throughout the race from his lap one trip over the curbs. He ended up retiring on lap 56 due to mechanical failure. That was so hard to watch. He only had two laps left. This is officially his first winless season in Formula One. He's probably just very happy that it's over. He said that he's done having to drive, quote, this thing. But I do think, like, the Mercedes car looks like it's on the up and up. So I am very excited to see what they come up with next year. For McLaren, Lando finished P6. He has really outperformed a bad car this year. And Danny was P9. Scott, he was able to have a points finish. But overall, just another really lackluster performance and season from them. Just I was very disappointed, but hopefully they can pull it together next year for Lando. For Alpine, Alonso had to retire on lap 28 due to car problems, which just really sums up the entire season. (laughs) He has had six mechanical retirements. He's just so done with the team and excited to move on to Aston Martin. Ocon finished P7, another solid points finish from him. Yeah, he had a good season. Good for Ocon. For Aston Martin, so great last race from Vettel. As we mentioned, he had great wheel-to-wheel battles with both Alpines, also had a strong overtake of Checo after the first pit stops, 
when the front cars pitted, Vettel was running in P4 and got to fight a bit with the cars at the front. But then about halfway through the race, he was getting overtaken a lot and said on the radio that this was, quote, the worst and that he was, quote, a sitting duck. We were worried at this point that things would really take a turn for the worse, but with only eight laps left, then stroll past him for P10, which was kind of sad to see. I feel like some people were really salty about that. I also feel like Stroll was moving so much faster and Vettel was on really old tires. So what are you going to do? Like, (laughs) I don't know. But thankfully, Seb finished in the points in P10. So overall, considering how bad the Aston Martin has been, I'm really happy that he got a fun race with some good battles to send him off. So that was great. And then for Alfa Romeo, it was unfortunately not a good race for them. P12 for Joe and P15 for Botas. They are one of those teams just celebrating this week that the season is over and I think hoping for better for next year. To wrap up the teams, for Williams, Albon had another low-key but pretty great drive, which was very characteristic of him this season. He just grinds at the back, makes up a lot of places. So he went from P19 and actually finished P13. Meanwhile, towards the end of the race, Latifi and Schumacher collided. Literally, it's just so heartbreaking. I I saw that and I was like, ugh. But it was Mick's fault and he got a five-second time penalty. Latifi then DNF'd from a mechanical problem. For Haas, definitely a tough last race for Mick with falling down the grid and then getting that five-second penalty from his collision with Latifi. But he's very determined to come back. He seems like he'll get a good reserve driver spot next year hopefully Mercedes, um, and then he'll come back stronger than ever. K-Mag finished the last of the cars that completed the race, so not a great foot to end on for Haas. And then lastly, AlphaTauri, both cars out of the points, Yuki P11 and Gasly P14, which also really sums up their season. It was definitely lackluster, and I think Gasly's probably just waiting to have a breakout season next year. For Radio of the Week, we had to go with Vettel saying, thank you for a great two years. You're a great bunch of people to the Aston Martin crew. For the season-ending standings, we had two tie breaks, which is exciting. For drivers, Max had 454 points, wild. Then Charles had 308. Checo had 305. Then a bit of a gap to George with 275. Then Carlos, 246. Lewis 240, then another big drop to Lando with 122. So Lando officially finished as best of the rest there in P7. Then Ocon in P8, Alonzo P9. Alonzo's going to be mad that Ocon beat him. <laughs> and then Botas rounding it out in P10. And Danny and Vettel tied for P11 with 37 points, but the tie goes to Danny since he had a P5 in Singapore. For constructors, Red Bull had 759. That is such a big number. Oh my gosh. Then Ferrari had 554, wow. then Mercedes with 515. Then there's a huge drop off to P4 with Alpine with 173. So Alpine officially beat McLaren, which we kind of knew was going to happen. Then McLaren in P5 with 159. Another huge drop-off, Alfa Romeo and Aston Martin tied with 55 each. But this tie goes to Alfa Romeo since Botas got a P5 in Imola. Then Haas with 37 in P8. Alfa Tauri with 35 in P9. And then another big drop-off to Williams in P10 with 8. Wow. 
I think we have to appreciate the 200 point gap between Red Bull and Ferrari. <laughs> so insane. insane. So we cannot believe this season is over. We are not going away though. Never fear. We have lots of content planned during the off season, including a big season recap, some interviews like we mentioned with female engineers and other people in the sport and all of that. So stay tuned and we can all comfort each other through Discord or on Instagram while we wait for the 2023 season to arrive. So just a quick thanks from each of us. It's a little bittersweet. It's our first season of this podcast and we can't thank you guys enough for all your support and for listening. We did not have high expectations for this, but it has really just been such a highlight for me this year to see this community grow and to support each other and One of my favorite things every week is seeing you guys all chatting in the Discord, especially during race weekends and meeting several of you in Mexico and New York City has been such a dream. I still feel like in America, Chessa, Sarah, and I don't have a million friends who watch Formula One, especially females. So this community has meant a ton to me and I'm sure to all of us. So thank you all. Thank you all so much for supporting us and listening to this. We started this thinking about five people would listen. (laughs) So we really appreciate each and every one of you. We've had so much fun getting talked to you in our DMs, meeting some of you in person. We can't wait for much more to come in the future. Thanks everyone.